Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, lots to talk about. The Revs heading to MLS Cup 2007 out in D.C. next weekend. Uh, rematch of last year's MLS Cup. The first time ever there's been back-to-back MLS Cups with the same two teams facing off. Hopefully this time the Revs will come out on top. Uh, coming off a great win, one nothing over the Chicago Fire. The Fire on a 10-game unbeaten run going into that match. Uh, coming off a very, very impressive game in D.C., uh, so certainly not intimidated by the way by the way atmosphere uh, came out pretty strong actually it was a pretty even game the Revs got a great goal on a Taylor Twelman bicycle kick an incredible goal by Twelman there possibly the best goal I've ever seen in person uh, and a really good win for the Revolution to take and go on to MLS Cup three shutouts in a row. Uh, certainly a revolution team that's playing their best, especially defensively. Yeah, definitely. I think after, you know, some of the late struggles that they were having, you know, conceding late goals. I mean, you remember back at the uh, Toronto game, they gave up the last goal. So, you know, you kind of had a couple question marks going into the uh, playoffs about their defense, but it really stepped up, and they're getting goals from, you know, different sources, and Twelman really, you know, scored the stunner to move them on. And Matt Reese is playing uh, excellent. Looks like he's in the top form that we've seen him uh, this year. Certainly uh, not giving up any rebounds at all, it seems like. Making some great saves uh, throughout the match. Long shots. Really, really being doing an excellent job for the Revolution defense. I thought Jay Heaps and Avery John against Chicago played two of the best games I've ever seen uh, those two play. Really completely shut down Chicago there. Uh, Chicago with a very dangerous midfield. Blanco, uh, Blanco as well as... Um, Chris Rolfe moved back in the midfield. Uh, my one question, though, there was Paulo Wanchope started that match. Uh, he hadn't started. He hadn't played a single minute in the previous two games. Kalen Carr provided assists on both goals that Chicago scored against DC and DC. He didn't come on until the 85th minute, and then he had two really good chances for Chicago. Two chances that Matt Reese did well to save. So. Really, were you surprised by that move? I was. I mean, if you look at the kind of forwards that have really given the Revs trouble, it's, you know, been sort of like the smaller, faster forwards guys. You know, I mean, Johnson's, Eddie Johnson's not really small, but, you know, he's got the speed and he, you know, he gets behind the defense and guys like that. And, you know, it seemed like they tried to go with a little bit of a height advantage with Juan Chope. And, you know, it just didn't really seem to work. You get Parkhurst and you get Heaps and, you know, maybe they're not the tallest guys, but their positioning and their jumping ability really, you know, helped them hold down the fort on long walls. And the one time it should have worked was when uh, Blanco had that free kick there. Weintraub got completely free of the Revolution defense. I don't know ha- what happened there. Certainly the, probably the, the worst defensive play that the Revs had in that game, letting him get completely free. Really should have put that away. He was about six yards out from goal, sent it completely wide. Must have lost track of the goal there, or maybe it was just because he hasn't played in so long. But uh, I, I think that situation there was what what uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was looking to get from Juan Chope, uh, and he couldn't deliver. Yeah, I mean, if you think, that's exactly what he's in there for, you know, those kind of heading balls, and he's got the size and he's got the strength, and, you know, he just had his chance and he didn't take it. And, you know, in the playoffs, those are the things that send you home if you don't take those kind of chances. And Chicago certainly wasn't happy to be going home. Osorio, after the match, felt like they'd played well enough to continue. 
but the, the Revolution limited them, limited their chances a lot. They did have 18 shots as well as, as the Revs, but uh, Matt Reese didn't have too many tough chances to handle, and the ones he did, he did well to hold on to. Uh, overall, a great performance by the Revs. Uh, very opportunistic goal by Twelman there. Two defenders on his back uh, with the overhead bicycle kick. It was great to see how much news that got. Uh, how much play that got throughout the local media. I know in Channel 4, right afterwards, I believe they showed a goal about eight or ten times there. Uh, number one play on SportsCenter. It was great to see a soccer game getting so much attention. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know it's kind of sad that it takes a goal like that to you know spark all the interest, but you know you'll take it any way you can get. I mean, I know even at the water cooler this week, all at work, you know they were talking about it. So I mean, it's great to see that kind of you know environment, especially leading up into the MLS Cup, where you know if you know get a good result, maybe that'll really help them for you know get into the media, especially with the Patriots and all the other things going on in the area. It's also to see the great coverage going on for the Cup Final this year, uh, live on ABC as it has in the past few years, but also live nationally on Telefutura in Spanish. So certainly no shortage of coverage for that match. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Telefutura especially helps, you know, down, you know, trying to get international viewers or anything like that that don't usually go to an MLS match. You know, that kind of really helps when you can get it on a channel like that. And one player who last night I thought was... Uh, neutralized kind of was Steve Rawson. Rawson has been such a key man for the Revolution. Uh, the Fire did a good job, good, did, a, good, did a good job defending him, but the Res really took advantage on the wide plays. And Wells Thompson played really well, and uh, Connell Smith played really well. I think. Uh, if the Reds are going to win in Houston, Steve Rawson's going to have to have a big game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's just because he hasn't played in the center, you know, that long. But he's, you know, he seems like he's sort of forcing the issue, trying to get outside every once in a while, you know, kind of overlapping with Wells. So you're losing that, you know, that presence that he usually brings to the wing. So you know, he's still trying to feel his way out. But he's such a veteran player that, you know, he's going to have a good game next week. I think part of that too was the Chicago strategy. It didn't seem like they had too many wide players in, in their midfield in particular, which opened up the space out wide and bogged down the Revolution midfield uh, in the in the center. Robert Joseph and Jeff Lorenzo has played a really good game defensively. I think Rawson was, you know, had to play maybe a little bit more of a defensive role as well with Rolf and Blanco uh, and Chris Armas there. Really, a lot of central players for Chicago, despite the fact they're playing a 4-4-2 and not a 3-5-2. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, it's one of those things next week with you know Houston coming into town. It's going to be a whole new setup and a whole new way of attacking. So you know, you never know what you get out of most players, but you know, Rawson will put in a good game. And Ralston last night uh, tied the record for the most first division games played in American soccer history. Tied uh, Bill McPherson, who actually played for Fall River back uh, a long time ago. Uh, he'll actually break that record if he plays in MLS Cup, which, uh, barring any injuries, he certainly will. Uh, and I got to ask him last night about that, that record and how he feels going to the MLS Cup final. The MLS Cup final will make you the all-time leader in um, American first division games played in the history of U.S. soccer. Is that, is that a good way to go and break that record of the Cup final? I would, yeah, if we win that game, that, I mean, that would be icing on the cake, really, for that. I mean, more importantly, I hope we win the game. I don't care about that record. I want to win, win the Cup. Nice, another way to get your way into the history books. Yeah, I guess so. I've been fortunate this year to, to get a, a few records. And, uh, you know, like I said, the most important one for me is is the team one winning, winning the championship. Any preference for you playing the final? It would be nice to get revenge against Houston. No, not at all. And we, we're going to enjoy the evening. I'll watch the game on Saturday, and we'll focus on whoever we play. You know, it's nice to win the Eastern Conference, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to win the MLS Cup next week. I mean, not the wood. I mean, I thought our back three tonight played unbelievable. Avery, Jay, and Parky all played extremely well tonight winning everything in the air, winning every tackle. We gave the ball away a little bit too easy, I thought, overall, but those three in the back, they, they were awesome tonight. I mean, they get a lot of numbers behind the ball, um, and, and they closed the ball down extremely well. Chris Armas is, you know, coming over, double team and closing, and the guy's all over the place. Um, I, I thought that, I mean, they're a good team. They're, they've been the hottest team in the league over the last two months, and uh, we feel pretty fortunate to uh, 
to win this game tonight. I, I don't know if I've ever. You know what's funny is yesterday we were talking about. I, I asked him what what the best goal he ever scored was, and he really couldn't think of any. And I, I think I, I think I know of one now. But he scored a lot. I mean, have you seen him score a better one? Yeah, most of his are forward goals where he's you know he's getting into things and head balls and slide a Taylor Tolman goal sliding in the back post. I haven't seen too many like that. I mean that was that's a different class. And the thing is, I mean a lot of guys score nice goals, but to score score a goal like that at this in this stage, you know semifinals of the MLS Cup. That's pretty impressive. Um, we had some more chances. They had a few chances late in the game, um, but still, so we in the second half. You know, I thought we had a few opportunities. We where we won the ball. They had a couple turnovers, and we were trying to catch them on counterattacks. And we had some opportunities to put the game away. Um, we got to do our job. We got to we got to keep the ball better, and we got to take those opportunities when they present themselves. We had a few chances. I had a chance in the first half to put one on goal, um, but you know, we make it really hard on ourselves by by not taking those chances. And we feel like every game is one zero, and we're, and we're on our heels in the last few minutes, so it'd be nice with that second goal get a little insurance. And that was Revolution captain Steve Rawlson who broke the all-time assist record this year, the all-time league assist record. He's about to break the all-time uh, record for U.S. soccer history for American First Division games played. Uh, quite a record there to break. The the other MLS players on that list, I believe, are all retiring at the end of this year or have retired. So uh, it's a testament to how well he's played for, for so long that he's breaking all these records. Yeah, definitely. He's been you know such a good player for such a long time. You see like the minutes record and all these other records that he's compiled, and you can't do that unless you've been a solid player for a long time. And going to the final, he's been uh, such a key player for the Revs, leading the league in assists this year. After last year, I don't think he had his best year. This year, right back into the form, you you, you wouldn't know his age, and uh, especially that assist he had against the Red Bulls, where he completely you know got his distance there and, and made, made, broke that distance there and got the assist on the Twelman goal. He, he's been such a key player for the team this year. Uh, another guy that doesn't get a lot of credits is Jay Heaps, uh, and Heaps actually is. You talk about Rawson. Rawson's got so many appearances. Heaps actually has more appearances in MLS than any other player that has not been capped by the U.S. national team. Uh, so an interesting stat there. A guy who is underappreciated and I thought played a very good game last night. I thought last year he had one of his best years of his career. Uh, he's had a really good start to this year. Uh, had a couple of errors, I thought, in the midseason, but in the playoffs he's been completely flawless. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you notice even when he was missing with that injury for those couple games, you know, you, you miss his kind of presence. He brings you, you know, a lot of athleticism, a lot of jumping ability that really helps on any, you know, crosses or anything. So he brings a lot to the table, especially in a three-man back line where everyone's got to be able to defend the middle. You got the chance to talk to him last night as well. Uh, he actually was did a lot of covering on Paula Wancho, who's a, a very tall player, a lot taller than Heaps is, but Heaps' incredible leaping ability there managed to contain him. And uh, we just did talk to him last night about that that marking assignment. You know, I think that their their goal was to kind of spring Wancho up, like he uh, he did. He scored a goal against or set up a goal in um, in Chicago. So I think that's what they were looking to do. But uh, you know, for us it was it was important to to stay compact. So they kind of played to our strength a little bit so we didn't have to go out and challenge all the time outside so when we're up winning head balls and and, and, and challenging guys one-on-one it's a little close not so far out it's, it plays to our strength it's, a little, it's definitely tough when you're playing, playing a pretty tall character and watch over knows how to win balls in the air yeah what's the key to kind of keeping him in traffic I, I just went up and out jumped him i mean that's that's all i can do i mean i know i know there's one thing i can do and that's jump i don't want to sound i mean i may not play the ball that well but i'll tell you what i'll, I'll challenge anyone in the air I mean, i think you know we're kind of like the uh you know, the kid that doesn't know any better, we keep going back for more. And I think that, uh, and I think that we're excited in here just because, you know, I think we knew how we know how tough it is to get to the final and, and ask all the other teams that are fighting for it. It's a tough, it's a tough road. Uh, but having said that, 
you know, I think that the the uh, the feeling in this locker room right now is that, that it's it's not done yet. It's we still have more to do, and and we're going to be disappointed if we don't uh, you know finish the job. You know, I think that it was tough. Uh, we had a tough little stretch here going into the playoffs. We didn't play all that well, and so it was important for us to kind of to get through this part of the playoffs. And, and it kind of felt nicely that we had this home game. Um, we played well at home, and so it was. Uh, you know, I think it's it's nice to get this feeling. But you know, having said that, we know that we have one more. And how for you personally, especially after what happened last year, with you as a decisive kid? Yeah. Uh, I dream about it. I dreamt about it all, you know, all year long at different times trying to get back here. You know, like I said, like, you know, as painful as that was, uh, you know, just as a professional wanting to win and, and not getting it done, um, you know, that's, it, it makes it that much more special going back again. And, uh, you know, that's why we, we have the group that we have. That's why we're re-signing the guys that we're re-signing. It's because we have a good group and uh, and uh, we know how to how to get to the final. So now we just have to show that we know how to win it. And we know how to do it. It's just a matter of doing it the Sunday. Again, that was Revolution defender Jay Heaps uh, on the upcoming match and on on Thursday night's match against the Chicago Fire, the impressive one nothing victory. Uh, the other another key component of that defense is Michael Parker's uh, winning defender of the year, we should say, in the last week. Uh, final his goals in the final ten for goal of the year as well as incredible goal in the last game of the season. Uh, what an incredible year he's had, even when the rest of the Revolution defense hasn't been on the top of their game. He's been such a key player for this Revs. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he gets the call up into the national team. So, I mean, everyone's really taking notice of him, fans, media, national team. So, I mean, you can't really say much about him except, you know, he's really the glue that holds that whole back line together. And he's winning this, these awards. He won the Fair Play Award as well against some, a lot of veteran players who who have uh, had good years as well, but who are going out retiring. And uh, you thought might maybe get the, the vote because of that. So it's great to see him winning these well-deserved awards. I uh, got the chance to talk to him last night about the upcoming game as well. Uh, and looking forward to the MLS Cup final, uh, as well as marking against the Chicago team with such strong attacking players. We were really struggling down the stretch, giving up a lot of goals, and you know it started right, uh, right with the playoffs. You know we knew we had to change our mentality. We knew if we were going to giving up two goals a game, we were done. You know we weren't going to advance. And uh, you know everybody's been putting in the dirty work. Our D mids have been playing awesome, cutting down lanes, cutting down passes, making our life a lot easier. Um, and the three of us aren't making mistakes right now. Um, you know, knock on wood. You know our life's been pretty easy, and you know we're trying to. Pick up the pieces, and uh, you know, same thing with Maddie. He's making the saves when we need him to. Um, you know, so it's been a, a collective effort. And that was Michael Parker on last night's game, and, and he, he did mention the struggles they had down the stretch, which we haven't really talked about too much tonight. I know going into the going into the playoffs, we kept talking about the the problems the Reds have been having and whether they'd be able to pull it together or not. There's no question that they've been able to completely pull it together after uh, what, what was a disappointing final three games of the regular season uh, with the defensive errors they were making, getting leads and then giving them up. Uh, now, when they get a lead, you feel secure, and it's something that you felt in the past, but you hadn't really felt. Uh, towards the end of this year. Yeah, and I think, as you said, you know, they, they really had to take on a new mentality, and it, it's true. If, towards the end of the year, they knew they had a playoff spot. They knew they had second place pretty much locked up. So, you know, you, you tend to relax a little bit. So, you know, they just refocused, and they, they came out strong, and they've played great defense in the playoffs. Well, we are going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Don Cuddy, a soccer writer for Soccer365.com. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. 
New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Dave Ackman. And now over the phone, we're joined by Don Cuddy from Soccer365.com. Don, can you hear me? I'm here, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing too, not too bad, thanks. Thanks a lot for joining us today. No, always welcome to come on. So what did you think of the Revolution performance last night? It seems like they've really picked up defensively from uh, where they finished at the end of the regular season. Uh, the Revolution performance on Thursday night, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. it was a very tough game. Uh, I think uh, the only difference was uh, Taylor Twelman's goal. You know, I mean, um, same as against uh, New York. I mean, I, one goal decided it, so... Uh, that may be what we're going to be looking at in the final. But, uh, yeah, they were very solid defensively. So, uh, and so is New York, for that matter. So I, I don't think it's going to be much different in the final. I think there's going to be two teams that are uh, intent on preventing the other guys from scoring. So I'm not expecting a goal fest. Uh, with the Revs going in there, having lost to Houston last year and having in such a horrible fashion there, uh, with that last the, the goal tying in like 30 seconds after the Revs had scored, uh, they're going to be extra motivated. Oh, I'm convinced they're going to win. I think uh, there's no question in my mind that the Revs are going to win the Cup this year. I think it's, you know, in the stars. How big of a blow do you think that is to Houston for them to most likely be without Brian Cheng? Oh, I haven't heard it. Is, uh, an update on his condition. Does it look like he's going to miss out? Well, I, from the early reports, it sounds like he's going to be out at least two weeks, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you don't want to lose him. You don't, you don't want to lose one of your front men, especially a strong player like him. But, uh, I mean, uh, hopefully they have somebody else that can go in there and do a job for them and, you know, make it a good game because uh, I'm hoping, that, and naturally, that the Revs win, being New England-based reporter, but I'm also hoping that uh, we get a spectacle that's uh, worthy of the occasion and not some kind of, uh, you know, stalemate, and, you know, as we've seen so many times, not only in MLS Cup Finals, but in Cup Finals around the world. So, what do you think of this revolution? The the change they made towards the end of the season, bringing out Andy Dorman out of the lineup. He hasn't played at all in the playoffs. Uh, a little bit surprising there. And putting in the rookie Wells Thompson on the right wing. Was that a good move by Nickel? Oh, I think there's no question, based on uh, his performance, particularly the other night, but also in general. Uh, I mean, I mean, I admire Steve Nickel tremendously, and uh, I mean, you have to just listen to what Steve Nickel says because. Uh, 
if you ask him a question, he'll answer it for you. But um, he's so sensible that sometimes people overlook what he's saying. I mean, people have asked him about uh, results, and and he said, uh, I tend not to look at results. I tend to look at what will benefit us. And that, you know, people kind of miss the significance of that, but that's exactly how the guy thinks. And uh, him and Paul Marner approach the game in the same way, and uh, they don't miss very much. So uh, people like Wells Thompson, you know, if they had been drafted by another team, they may have already been released. But uh, obviously Steve Nichols saw something in that player that, uh, frankly, I couldn't see. Uh, his early performances, you were left wondering uh, if the kid had any real potential at all. But... Uh, He's definitely improved a great deal under their guidance, and uh, I think he's uh, made a real contribution. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. He's shown a lot over the past two playoff games, and uh, the move has paid off now in the playoffs. It didn't didn't in those final three games of the season when he made the move and they, the Reds went winless, but it really has paid off. Uh, another guy that's really been impressed, impressive in these playoffs is Matt Reese. It seemed like uh, towards the end of the season he was giving up a lot of rebounds that he hadn't given up in the past, but it, it seems like he's gone into another gear for these playoffs, and he made 10 saves last night against on Thursday night against Chicago. Uh, he's really been unbeatable. Yeah, well... Uh... I mean, I wouldn't underestimate the, the psychological dimension. I mean, when you've clinched your playoff spot, it's very difficult to get that edge. But when it comes to the playoffs, the mentality is completely different. Everything matters in the playoffs. And uh, I think people are just much more alert. They're much more able to can maintain their concentration over 90 minutes. And I think we've seen that in, in the Revs' performance overall. I don't think there are too many weaknesses on this team. And... Uh, Plus, you know, because this core group has been together for a number of seasons now and they've had the heartache, I mean, there's no other team in the league has suffered the heartache that this team has. These guys want to win this thing in the worst possible way, and uh, I believe that they're going to do it. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. Talking to the team after the, the game, they talked about how they really weren't celebrating that win too much. They you know, celebrated for two minutes maybe and then uh, immediately focused on to the MLS Cup final. It's interesting hearing from Houston, uh, they being asked about the MLS Cup, they didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to celebrate and enjoy the game. Kind of kind of two different mentalities there. Uh, what, what is your prediction for that Cup final? I know you said you think the Reds are going to win, but uh, is it going to be one like the last time where... Uh, the two teams kind of cancel each other out, keep 0-0, maybe a late goal, uh, and, and overtime wins it, or wins it, or you think it might be a little more open? Um, no, I think I don't think I'm not expecting to be an open game. I, I mean, these are teams that both work hard, so I think we're going to see uh, everybody putting in a serious effort. So it, I think you know it'll probably be uh, kind of an English type of a game, you know, where people are running around at 90 miles an hour, and uh, it may settle down a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect one team to dominate. I wouldn't expect uh, the Revs uh, to come out there and pin Houston back into their own end. And uh, I think, you know, it'll, it'll, it will depend on uh, the ability of the wide players. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing uh, Canu Smith going up against Weibel. I think that's going to be one of the highlights of the show. You know, those two big guys battling it out. And, uh, you know, hopefully Wells Thompson will be able to show a little pace. I mean, Arno was the uh, best player on the field, I thought, for uh, Kansas City last night. And he was able to skip past guys and get some uh, dangerous balls into the box that really nobody was able to take advantage of. So, you know, if we can get a bit of pace going uh, down the flanks, we may be able to get behind them and create some openings. But, um, you know, with the Revs, you know, the Revs, we know how the Revs are going to play. They, they get the ball wide with the idea of uh, providing Taylor with an opportunity to score a goal. And so, 
it's not going to be very hard to defend against that, you know, in terms of tactics. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I have no idea. I mean, it could be a goal in the first minute. It could be a goal in the last minute. It could go to overtime. I mean, anything can happen. But, uh, you know, as we've seen against both Chicago and New York, it was very tight. And uh, I think the Revs just have... Uh, I think it's. The, I think their time has come, and I, I think, uh, especially like Taylor's goal against New York, for example. You know, there was that period of time I think last year when he couldn't score to save his life, and yet that ball went in, even though he didn't hit it well. In fact, it was actually helped into the net by uh, the New York defense. So uh, I think that's the kind of a, a portent that uh, things are going to go well for the Revs. I'm not sure what the details will be, but I expect to see them hoisting the cup. Well, have you ever seen, speaking of Twelman's goal, have you ever seen uh, the, goal on, the goal that he scored against Chicago? Uh, it was such an incredible goal uh, with, with the two defenders marking him and getting that bicycle kick off. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, it was a fantastic strike. And I was sitting with Walter Silva in the press box, and Walter, as an old ref, immediately uh, said he would have called that for dangerous play. So uh, I'm pleased that the referee didn't and uh, allowed it goal like that to stand because that's not something you see every day. I mean, that was pure instinct and great technique as well. And, and you mentioned Kano Smith earlier in the matchup between him and Craig Weibel. Uh, certainly that'll be interesting. Kano Smith, again, was a player that uh, was out injured for the cup final uh, last year, didn't play in that. Uh, do you think these, this extra day's rest, having the uh, three extra days rest this year as opposed to last year, uh, will help this team, a team that uh, really went into the final uh, pretty banged up, Shari Joseph out uh, pretty injured. Uh, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys in the team are carrying knocks in that game. Uh, now they're going to have ten days to rest. Oh yeah, uh, that's obviously going to be uh, beneficial, especially to some of the older guys. You know, like Steve Ralston, who may take a little longer to recharge his batteries than uh, you know people who are ten years as junior. But um, I think that. Uh, the team's overall health is certainly better than it was last year and uh, I mean Clint Dempsey only had a token role last year as well because he had that ankle injury too so I mean on paper this Revs team may not appear to be uh, as strong technically as uh, last year's team but I think in, in actual fact uh, they're approaching this game in a much better position than the 2006 Revs even though it's largely the same people. Uh, on the flip side with the with the rest issue, are, are you surprised by the league's decision to make these Thursday night games that, uh, f for example, on the Eastern Conference Final, the Revs had uh, three days less rest than uh, the Chicago team? The Revs obviously came out on top, but had they been going down to D.C. and have that travel factored in as well, uh, would have put them at a real disadvantage. Are you surprised that the league has uh, kind, of, kind of done that that way, that gives certain teams advantages and, and rest? Well, I mean, obviously the league uh, would argue that uh, they're looking at the uh, thing that will most benefit the sport overall and uh, probably present it to the widest number of people. So um, the Thursday night game was because ESPN has been running those. And uh, the uh, thing that I'm not happy about is the fact that they're kicking off at noon. So, uh, I mean, I don't think any of these players have ever played a game that kicked off at noon. And obviously that's to accommodate the television audience as well because it's uh, I believe it's on ABC so they're probably showing football games you know at the 3 or 3.30 time where you would normally expect the final to start so 
I don't know um, how that might affect these players in terms of uh, you know how, whether they feel like playing a game of soccer at a time where they'd normally be just concluding training and going for lunch. So you know maybe they'll uh, adjust their training schedule to accommodate that. that. I think that's that's a little more bizarre than the fact that uh, you know they've played uh, the games at different times. Yeah, definitely. I definitely got to agree with you there. They, the noon start time on the eastern eastern coast is. Uh, surprisingly, particularly speaking of the national television audience, uh, the hours earlier it will be uh, throughout the country going over to the West Coast. Uh, for Houston, it might have more of an effect than it does on the Revs, even because it will be like an, an 11 o'clock game for them. Uh, so that is a, an interesting decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, uh, you know, watching ESPN television coverage, too, um, I don't know if they're going to do it for the final as well, but this... Do you see this camera that they have on the wires that's floating around all over the stadium? Uh, you know, that's it's, it, it does produce some uh, different perspectives on that, but it also produces these bizarre camera angles where you'll see a guy taking a throw in, and then when they switch back to the uh, cameras which are on the sidelines and looking down on the field, the, the ball's traveling in a different direction. And, it, you know, you have to kind of reorient yourself to find out what's going on. Yeah, I agree with you on that. They do, yeah. seem, to, they do seem to use that, that uh, camera angle a little more than is, is necessary there on, so, on some of the plays. It uh, does make it confusing sometimes to see almost exactly what's going on when yeah. you have the, the overhead view. Yeah, and uh, what about this, uh, you know, fixation on Dominic Kinnear spitting? I mean, how many times did we see that the other night? Was that kind of unusual? I mean, <laughs> I mean maybe he chews sunflower seeds like David Beckham or something like that, but how many times do you want to watch that in the single game? I hope they can, you know, rule that one out of the final, you know? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. i I got to agree with you on that. And, uh, it's not just that, too. It's when they're showing the... Like the corner kicks now, they've got the the split screen with four different camera angles on there. They got like one on each coach, and then they got the goalie and the corner kick taker. So it's a bit too much to take in all at one time. Yeah, sensory overload, yeah, for <laughs> sure. But uh, Dominic Kinnear actually, uh, he was doing uh, a pretty good uh, impersonation of Bruce Arena on the sidelines. He seemed to be getting pretty angry and obnoxious, uh, you know, especially with uh, abusing the referee and. Uh, you know, when Kansas City had that call for the penalty, they showed him pantomiming the dive repeatedly, just, you know, giving the referee a hard time as he walked off the field at halftime. Yeah, I agree with you. He, for, for a team that was winning and for a team that won the game 2 to nothing, he certainly certainly did a lot of complaining in that match. And uh, the referees, I thought, called the good game in that match, didn't really fall for any of the dives. It, it was a little more animated maybe than necessary and I, I was surprised a little bit by his comments after the game where it seemed like he wasn't at all thinking about the MLS Cup he was just excited to have won the Western Conference Final which is a, a completely different attitude than you heard from the refs yeah actually the, I thought the, the ref had a reasonably good game but he did let a couple of uh, things go I mean there was one time where uh, Michael Harrington got absolutely wiped out and he didn't even blow for a foul and um I haven't watched that incident with Jaqua uh, a couple of times. Uh, I'm not sure that might not have been a red, actually. I mean, m maybe because uh, he didn't want to rule him out of the final. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, Shallery didn't get a yellow the other night, which he could have got under other circumstances. I think the referee definitely cut him some slack because I would absolutely uh, not wish Shallery to be suspended for a final. But uh, I'm not sure that uh, Jaqua didn't actually you know, throw that forearm out there with the intent of uh, taking the player down. You know, I'm not sure how accidental that was. You know, and I, 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 I had forgotten about that play, but I do remember seeing that now. And, yeah, I, I, 
I would agree with you on that. It's interesting that you mentioned Shari, because I did talk to him after the game. Uh, the comments we had, I guess, didn't come out as well as we'd hoped because of the loud music in the, uh, in the locker room, but he did say that uh, they had talked to the referee before the match and had, had talked to him about the yellow card situation, and, uh, and he, he, I guess I guess that was some of the reason why he was uh, so hesitant to bring up the yellow card for both teams, where uh, he was aware that those players were on yellow card watch, and they d- he didn't really want to have to make any of them miss out the final unless they had to. Yeah, that was Kevin's thought, right? Yep. And that, do we know who's ref in the final? Uh, I do not know no. as of yet. It will be interesting to... To see that, to find that out. I thought Kevin Stott did a uh, a good game. There were certainly some things he could have called that he didn't, but uh, consistency-wise. No, he, he, no I, I have to take my hat off. I think he was the man of the match, really. I think he really did a great job. We were very uh, quick to criticize referees, but uh, I thought that was, that was exceptionally well uh, handled the other night because it was a potentially explosive game as well. So I think the referee sets the tone, and uh, I think that guy demonstrated some real authority. So uh, I have to give him some... Uh, you know some props for that but uh hopefully the referee you know the best refs are not noticed you know so hopefully the guy at the mls cup final will uh you know adhere to that and not be try to become the star of the show as some of them are sometimes guilty of doing yeah i, I agree with you that was a match that could have gotten out of control with uh, the way some of the some of the fouls are going in there but uh he, he wasn't quick to his pocket uh, and he managed to keep the game under control without giving out a lot of yellow cards and uh, potentially hurting either of those teams' chances going into the final. So he, he did have an excellent performance. Uh, the one bit of news out of the league we haven't mentioned yet is the announcement that uh, Seattle is going to enter the league in 2009 by the sounds of it. Of course, San Jose coming in next year, uh, as we mentioned uh, a couple weeks back. What do you think of Seattle as the next uh, MLS team? Well, I'm delighted to hear about that. I mean, uh, I want to see the league get to, uh, you know, uh, abandoning this conference uh, idea i mean i want to see it a single table like it is in other countries i have no problem with the playoff format but uh, i'd like every team to play every other team once at home and once away as is customary you know rather than playing these other teams three and four times so the sooner that comes about the better and uh, i think seattle's history uh, you know is solid i think there's going to be uh, support for a team up there and uh, Hopefully they'll get a good organization together that uh, you know will make it a, a good franchise and, and uh, you know well-run organization. So um, the only concern, of course, with expansion teams is uh, you know the draft. Who who are we going to lose? And, and that's always very revealing to see who's left unprotected when these situations arise. Yeah, definitely will be uh, interesting to see who the Revs leave unprotected. I'm sure they're not considering that now until after the Cup final. But no. uh, that that comes up, I believe, the the uh, 15th or pretty not pretty pretty quickly after the Cup. So uh, something that we we'll have to keep an eye out for. Yeah, well, I mean, I think as you're seeing, uh, the players in general, it's a good locker room, and and I think that's because of the way it's. Uh, handled by uh, Steve and Paul Mariner uh, players really don't want to go anywhere they, I mean they're happy to stay here I mean look at Chowry he's just uh, committed himself to the Revs and as we know earlier in the year he was not a happy camper but uh, he seems to be uh, you know pleased to stay in New England now and I think there was some rumors that Michael Parker's departure was imminent but um, actually I spoke to him uh, training the day before the New York game uh, before the idea of him going somewhere else came about and uh, I asked him about that he said he had a year left on his contract and uh, you know he was very happy here in New England and he's from Rhode Island so there's no reason to think that he's not perfectly at home here and um, he did mention that uh, 
if he did go over, if he got an offer, he has an Irish passport, of course, that uh, he thought he'd do better in Spain than in England, of course, you know, with his, you know, size, I think uh, England is probably going to be a bit rough and tumble for a guy like him. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I think uh, we actually that topic actually came up on our show last week, and I thought uh, I thought that he would that he's a player that probably more suited for Spain, where you see a lot of uh, central defenders that are more his size and more his build. Uh, where England maybe the 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 height and central defender is more valued in something that, uh, as you see with the national team guys like Onyewu playing, uh, that's something that maybe is more important in England than it is in Spain, where they play kind of a different style. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good time to plug my uh, story on the 365 website. So uh, I don't know if anybody ever reads that, but uh, I enjoy talking to the Revs players. and uh, Well, I enjoy talking to players in general. I, uh, I asked because Chris Armas was playing his last game in MLS, and so I know he was one of Bruce's boys. So I said to him, what do you think of uh, Bruce Arena and the Red Bulls parting company? And he got quite irate because... He made a good point. He said, "What standard are they, are they judging him by?" You know, he he uh, he got his team to the playoffs. They were eliminated by a good team, and and that wasn't good enough for them. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, uh, what I was actually just going to ask you about your upcoming articles for Soccer 365. Uh, you do a great job on those articles there. Do you, any, do you have anything else planned uh, this upcoming week leading to the cup? Well, um, I. We'll probably go up to uh, practice on Tuesday since I'm working at the paper tomorrow, and uh, I'm not sure who I'll speak with. I'd be interested in asking Andy Dorman about his plans since, um, you know, he hasn't been planned, so he's probably not too uh, content about that, although uh, it's understandable. I mean, as Steve said, he ran out of gas because the physical demands of playing, I think it was eight games in 30 days in the summertime. You know, he's always been someone who suffered in the heat, and I think he just uh, got burned out physically because of the traveling and the and the playing time, and uh, and then he wasn't able to recover his form after that. So, but I don't. I mean, I don't think his future with the Rebs is uh, is at an end. I, certainly, not, I don't think they're going to release him. But um, I'll be interested to see if uh, he's considering a move to the UK or if there's any offers out there on the table. You know, so that that's one story, of course. But uh, I hope the story is. Uh, you know what the revs are going to do to win this game and uh i'll be extremely disappointed if they don't because what bothered me the last time when they lost was how many of these lazy soccer journalists all jumped on the same bandwagon branding the revs a loser in the big game they couldn't do it and all this stuff you know which was you know just not the case i mean they've had terrible luck and uh it, you know the Reds are not losers. I mean, look at their record. You know, no other team has a record like them. They just need to go that extra yard now and bring home the big one. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see them take home the U.S. Open Cup trophy this year as well, which hopefully will help them get over the hump and win that MLS Cup with the confidence they've gotten from winning that. Yeah, I mean that's it's nice to have some cup that they've won. And uh, I noticed also on the broadcast uh, they said the last team from. Massachusetts to win it was uh, the Ponte Delgada team from Fall River, which is right down the street from me in New Bedford here. So it was nice to hear that because there's a tremendous tradition in uh, soccer in New Bedford and Fall River dating back to the, you know un- almost 100 years now when mostly uh, English people and then subsequently Portuguese people came to work in the mills and all of these uh, factories and mills had their own soccer team, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned earlier, Bill McPherson from the Fall River area, who's leading the the all-time list in appearances in U.S. First Division soccer that Rawson's about to break. Well, uh, we do have to take a quick break here, but thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work on Soccer365.com. Well, I hope the next time you talk to me, we're talking about the champions, the 2007 Revolution MLS Cup champions, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. All right. Good night. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Dave Ackman. And now over the phone, we're joined by Bernardo Fallas from the Houston Chronicle. Bernardo, can you hear me? I can hear you guys. Sean, Dave, how are you all? Not too bad. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot for joining us today. No, it's a pleasure. Well, the big news all of us are wondering about is uh, Brian Ching. It seemed like he picked up a pretty bad injury in that match. Ha- have you heard any, any updates to his status? Well, Brian, yeah, Brian Ching, as you said, uh, went down in the 69th minute with a, what appeared to be a left calf injury. Uh, the team said that he is left uh, his day-to-day. That was last night. They maintain his day-to-day today. But in trying to reach Brian Ching, um, uh, I was told that he has declined uh, to talk to the media today. And I think that tells us a lot of, uh, uh, regarding the magnitude of the, uh, of the injury. Um, if, uh, if you guys were watching, uh, for all of us who were watching the game, I think that it was pretty obvious that he was in a lot of pain. And I, I honestly don't think this is something that he, that he can just shake off in, in five days and be, be ready for the MLS Cup. And he's a great player who scored some big goals, certainly with the, the game-tying goal in the last MLS Cup final. Uh, a huge player for the Dynamo. But, but they are a team with a, a lot of good depth. They've certainly played a, a, a lot of games without him this year. Joseph Nguyenia and, and Nate Jake was stepping in. Uh, how big of a loss do you think he is to this team? 
Well, I think I think it's a huge loss, uh, honestly, uh, because uh, when, especially when you pair the Dynamo uh, against the New England Revolution, because uh, if you really if you really put the compare the forwards, uh, Brian Ching and Taylor Coleman, I think, cancel each other out. And without Brian Ching there as the target forward, the premier target forward for the Dynamo, you have Nate Jaqua, who has been fantastic the last two games, who scored the uh, eventual game winner last night, but who is not as good you know, in the air as Brian Ching is. So I think you lose some there uh, as, far as, uh, as far as the aerial attack that, that, uh, that the Dynamo are, are known for, you know, with, the, with the Brian Mullen and Brad Davis sending those crosses and, and Ching crashing, crashing the, the goal. So, uh, I mean, I think, I think you, you lose a step there. Um, you know, having said that, uh, when you play Nate Jaqua and uh, Joseph Nguena together, you have sort of like a two-dimensional um, uh, offense because you, not only do you have somebody who can who can head the ball in Nate, but you also have the speed of uh, of Joseph, and that's something that uh, of course the Dynamo didn't have uh, last night going in with with basically two target forwards. Um, so I mean, it, it, I think it's a big blow, but at the same time, like you said, Dynamo have a pretty deep bench, and um, you know this trade for uh, Joseph Nguena and, and Nate Jaco have paid off handsomely. And if Joseph Nguena and, and Nate Jaco, especially Nate Jaco, if he plays like he's played uh, against Dallas and, and last night against KC, I think the Dynamo should be in good shape going into their uh, MLS Cup final match against the Revolution. Something that's really impressed me from uh, Houston's last two playoff games has been the incredible crowd support they've had at home. Uh, over thirty thousand fans each game. Those are games where you know the team doesn't have that many that uh, much time to to really promote. Has, has Houston as a town really embraced uh, the Dynamo? I believe so, and uh, you know, I mean, Houston is a is, is a town that has has proven to be a, a soccer town. I mean, going back to uh, you know the late nineties uh, when uh, you know. Promoters would bring, uh, you know, the Mexican uh, first division clubs to to play exhibitions, and then uh, you know when when they had the friendly here with the U.S. and Mexico, and then the first Gold Cup that they had here in 2005. I think I think Houston proved that it had the potential, and now that the uh, MLS is here and that the franchise is here, you know they're not they're not missing out on the, on the chance to support them. I mean, uh, you talk about a, a team that in two years uh, has managed to to have back to back to back. 30,000 plus, you know, uh, crowds uh, this season, and and I think that's 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 saying a lot about uh, about the, the I guess the quality of play of the team. Obviously, they're the defending champions, but also about the willingness of uh, of this uh, this community to embrace them. And, and if you look at if you look at um, at the Dynamo crowd, I mean, it's a very diverse crowd. Uh, it has a lot of uh, support from from the Hispanic community here in Houston, uh, which is pretty big. And uh, you know, as well as others. So I mean, it's. Um, I, I think the the city has embraced the team. Now the key, and, and to prove that all, will be whether or not you know they are able to secure a stadium here in the city, uh, because after all, that's that's the reason they moved here. But uh, I think uh, I think uh, the support they have is probably second to none in the in the MLS. Do you think there'll be a lot of away support going to DC? I know last year, uh, going out of the going to the MLS Cup in Dallas, certainly that stadium was full with uh, Dynamo fans. Obviously, this is a little bit further of a trip. Are you expecting a, a good away contingent of supporters? Well, you know what, it, 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 it's gonna hurt that having the final in DC is gonna hurt the Dynamo because obviously, you know, this a crowd like that always, always. Uh, 
um, helps them. I mean, they, they've had a 12th man out there for the last three games. But uh, having said that, I expect, um, I know of about you know, 500 people who are going for sure. Uh, of course, 500 people in a, in, at RFK Stadium uh, doesn't sound like much, but you know, I, I expect a, a decent amount of uh, fans to make the trip. I know they were talking about it last night. Uh, not only at the stadium, but also you know on the on the uh, the blogs and, and the Chronicle blog and the Big Soccer blog and everything. So I think there's a lot of people making plans for it. I was checking the tickets this morning because I have to book my uh, book my travel up there, and you know, and they're only about 230 bucks. So I think uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty doable for for those fans who who will want to join uh, and support the Dynamo over there. But of course, I think the team expects uh, a, a pro. A pro revolution crowd at, at DC, uh, you know, come Sunday. And we, we mentioned Brian Ching will probably be out for the final a little bit earlier. Uh, another guy who the team's been without is Ricardo Clark, and we'll be without him in the final due to his uh, suspension. The team's done really well without him, but uh, how do they deal with his, his absence? Well, you know, um, the, the Dynamo made three key key trades, and we already talked about the, the trade for, for Joseph and the trade for. For um, Nate Jacob, but I think the the best trade, the biggest trade they made, and, and the one that probably got the least amount of fanfare, was the one they made for uh, Richard Mulroney. Because Richard Mulroney, uh, you know, for fans who didn't know who he was, uh, you know, they thought that he was just coming here to be a bench player and a substitute for for uh, for Ricardo Clark. But if you look at his stats, he started almost every game he's played for the Dynamo, um, and he's I think it's over 20 games that he started because uh, he's a quality player and Dynamo had to find him a, uh, a space on the starting lineup because you can't just waste that much talent on the bench. Uh, he played a lot of uh, a lot of time at, at holding mid when Ricardo was out with the national team uh, and then he played right back when Craig Weibel was, uh, was sidelined with an injury. Um, and, and now that Ricardo is gone for the for the playoffs with that, that huge suspension, uh, you know he's he's come through and, and I think he's doing a great job. Obviously, Ricardo Clark has uh, you know has some uh, talent. He's very good with the with with the poking the ball and, and he covers a lot of ground. And perhaps Richard Morrid is not as good on that, but but he has certainly he has his his uh, his own pluses. Now he reads the the field well. He he makes uh, great passes. And uh, you know he he helps the defense. If you if you watched the game last night, he assisted uh, Eddie Robinson and, and Ryan Cochran in in, in keeping uh, keeping an eye on Eddie Johnson and Scott Sealy, and they succeeded. Yeah, I agree with you definitely, Mulroney. The the games I've seen him as a veteran in the league, he's been uh, such an underrated player for all the teams he's played for. He's such a uh, valuable asset to the Dynamo team. Uh, what do you think are the keys for this Dynamo going going up against the Revolution in uh, RFK Stadium uh, to get a result? Well, I think uh, you know. Number one, I think they're going to they're going to go out there and, and they have to play their game and they have to establish their game. The last thing they want to do is, is is make a uh, uh, have a defensive lapse or or a, or a mental mistake and have the Revolution, you know, score an early goal uh, or a first half goal because we all know and and you guys could probably talk 
you know better about this, but you know, in my opinion, Steve Nichol is it, no one. No one manages a game like Steve Nichol. And you know, if the Revolution go up and they have the advantage, uh, Steve Nichol is going to do everything he can to 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 keep that score. You know, one nothing or whatever, and, and that's something that, that the Dynamo will have problems with. Um, you know, I, I I think that there are two two teams that have two different uh, philosophies. You know, Houston goes and tries to attack, 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 while you know the Revolution is more measured. Uh, they, they just wait for the right time, and then once they go up on the score, you know they. They, they play to manage the game, manage the score. And, and so the Dynamo are going to have to be very careful. Defense is going to be key for them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're going to have to have that same approach. They're going to go and, and try to establish that wide play uh, with, with Brian Mullen and, and Brad Davis and, and try to send the, the crosses to, um, to Nate Jaqua and Joseph Nguyen. A big key to the game will be how the midfielders get that ball to the forwards and also the play of uh, Dwayne De Rosario. If branching is not there, Dwayne De Rosario has to step it up uh, a notch or two for the Dynamo to be successful. But I mean, it's going to be a really, really hard fought, hard fought match. I mean, you have two teams that have incredible midfields. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a battle out there, just like it was the last year in, in Frisco. Um, you know, so we, we shouldn't expect anything less. If you had to predict, who do you think would come out on top? Well, you know what? It's uh I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I think that you know if 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 things stay the way they are with 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 Ching with Ching out, um, you know I would venture to say that it's that if if there if there is a time for the Revolution to get their first MLS Cup will be this Sunday. Um, the Revolution are very confident right now. I mean I I don't think there's any way that you can lose four MLS Cups in six years. And I don't know what you guys think. But I think the, the the law of averages and the law of prob- probabilities, I think, would uh, would side uh, with the revolution on Sunday. You know, having said that, you know, the Dynamo have what it takes to win it. But at this, you know, I, I I think right now, as of Sunday evening, uh, I think the revolution have a slight edge uh, in my book uh, to win uh, the MLS Cup. Well, it'll be certainly something for uh, the Dynamo to win a championship in their first two years uh, in the in the league. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. For well, do you have anything uh, planned coming up for this this week to preview the MLS Cup and the Houston Chronicle? Well, you know we have uh, you know we're going to have coverage uh, every day. We have our our soccer page that comes out on Tuesday, and we're going to have something on that. Uh, we're probably going to talk about uh, at some point during the week about uh, the trades, uh, you know, and how key they have been. I mean. You know, if Panchin can't start on Sunday, you're, you're going to have the, the three players that the team traded for starting, you know, two forwards and one holding mid. Um, so, I mean, they're, they've really been key to, to, to this team's run this year. And we're also going to talk, I think I think we want to talk about uh, uh, the way uh, MLS is going, where, where it is going, where it is in, in the landscape. You know, after after a year like this one that saw designated players and David Beckham and Cuauhtémoc Blanco, and you know, we just wanna we just wanna get a feel for for you know where soccer really fit, really stands in America as far as you know, a major sport. So uh, you know, look forward to seeing something on that. You know, on our website cron.com throughout the week, we're gonna have uh, complete coverage of the Dynamo Revolution, and obviously we're gonna we're gonna have to talk to the Revolution and the fact that I mean. 
you know, New England teams have won everything lately, so I mean, it's it, it's gotta be it's gotta be their turn. Yeah, well, we do have to wrap things up here. So thanks a lot for joining us today. We'll definitely have to check out that coverage in the Houston Chronicle. Again, we'll be back uh, not next week because we'll be down in D.C., but we will be on the week after that following Sunday. You can get the archives at RevolutionRecap.com. Um, see you down in D.C. Thanks a lot for joining us. This is WNRI Woonsocket.